0: This is Life Links with a DL link. 101.9
1: High FM. That is the radio station you are tuned to, just in case you didn't know. My name's Nikki Seberini. Delighted, delighted to be with you. This is the DL link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And I'm going to be with you for the next hour, always bringing you great stories, great warriors, um, and just lighting up certain parts of your brain that get you thinking about things, perhaps get you motivated and certainly give you insights into the wonderful world in which we live. I just want to start off by saying that I'm incredibly grateful to be here. The sun is shining. It is a very beautiful day and I'm very privileged to be in your company. Of course, the Dear Link Show, what an awesome organization, was founded all the way back in 2010 by Michelle Goodman. And Jackie Artsula And what they do is They provide a nurturing safe space Where patients who are faced with cancer As well as their families Can turn to for support And support You know, the deal link Is often described as a family And they hold these patients And they hold the patient's family Through their journey um, of cancer Um, And just always amazing stories So once again Great stories coming your way I have such an awesome, awesome um, warrior on the show today by the name of Raisa Ibrahim. I'm going to be introducing in just a while. Not only is she, um, a breast cancer survivor and a leukemia warrior. And she is, she works, she volunteers for cancer and she meets her targets. She's always raising funds and she came up with the most incredible fundraiser, which we're going to be sharing with you. In fact, the main uh, participant of that fundraiser will be joining us in the studio. And he's an incredible guest because, in fact, we first came to know um, of him uh, a few years ago when uh, Pippi Kruger was uh, very severely burned. And he was the doctor that helped with all the skin grafts. Of course, I'm talking about award winning um, Dr. Ridwan Mia. And um, then we're going to be closing the show also on really an inspirational note. I'm going to be chatting with Roslyn Bass. Um, she's an author of a book, she's a motivational speaker. So, so much coming your way. But let me start off by, as I said, introducing my extraordinary guest. And I say extraordinary because while you and I are now sitting here listening, I mean, last week I chatted with Brenda. Um, she was in the process. While while talking of, of having her chemotherapy And right now I have Rahisa Ibrahim who is in the hospital And she's speaking to us from her hospital bed and, and that's what the show is, just these incredible people And nothing gets them down and nothing stays in Gets in their way of living and giving um, And having an incredible, incredible purpose So Rahisa, welcome, it is fabulous having you on the show
2: Thank you so much for having me
1: I know that you're in hospital and I know that, uh, you know, to, to take the time and, and give us this time is, is not very easy, but just reading the information that you sent through to Lee, just overwhelming and, and you're incredibly, incredibly inspirational.
2: Now, um, the appointment was uh, set up a week back, or was two weeks back, sorry, and I would have been in the studio today to be doing the interview with you guys at the studio. Um, unfortunately, my immunoglobulins were a bit low and I had to come into hospital, um, just to have some
1: treatment to pick that up a bit. Well, yeah. it's it's great to have you on the show, so Thank you so much. So yeah. let's, let's, because we, we, every week we have incredible cancer warriors on the show and you are another one of them. You, I, I have to quote, um, something that you sent, Lee, and and this really, really touched me very deeply. You said, every step I take, every breath I take, I enjoy more intensely and I live each moment to its fullest. I appreciate and value seeing my children grow and smile moments, which many take for granted. I live more. I love more and I give more. I am truly blessed. And this is, of course, after, as I said, breast cancer, leukemia. The question I have for you, Reesa, is: Have you have you always felt this way? Has it developed over a period of time? And how did you get this incredible, incredible insight?
2: Look, at at first, when I was diagnosed with a breast cancer, it was quite a shock. That was in 2010, and I was just 28 years old—27, turning 28. I had a daughter that was two years old, <laughs> and um, the one thing that stood out was cancer can be beaten, and obviously that was something, and uh, that was something that cancer the uh, the organization always advocated that cancer can be beaten, mm-hmm. and uh, that was drilled into my head. So when I was told the words that you have cancer, I actually kind of said, okay, it's fine, it can be beaten. That was my Mm, I was happy in the in the first few moments, right? Let's say, and then as time went on, I um, began to have chemo, when and then I seen what it's really about, mm. and seen that it's not that easy of a battle to actually win. You need the, the great support system around you. You need great doctors. You need you know great friends. You need your family. Um, you actually become a child in the process, um, and it was quite hurtful. But it was done. Okay, I finished my. Or during my treatment, I was very depressed to the point that my mom did not know what to do. Mm-hmm. So mom called in um, a cancer, mm-hmm. and the reason she called in cancer is because cancer is the most well-known um, cancer association in South Africa we are very big and very well known at that point I was not part of cancer but that's who my mum knew she could work and the thing is I was very lucky I had medical aid I could have a psychologist I could have a psychiatrist but the very same day I had in my bedroom um, a counselor and a registered nurse from cancer and you know they came along with a scoping kit and they called every day and they visit once once a week. And that was a turning point. Mm. Just was where I realized that now I'm going to fight this. I need to fight it. And it's not going to get me down. Well, Isa, what?
1: what support, sorry for that, um, but what was it about that that was a turning point? Was it just that you felt that you weren't alone, that you had this incredible yes, support and yes, and, and felt, you could do it?
2: Yes, I mm. felt. And, I mean, they, they put me in contact with a few people that were survivors and they say, look, a cancer, the minute you are diagnosed with cancer, you are a survivor. Mm. You're putting one foot in front of the other. You are walking into that chemotherapy room or whatever it is and you're sitting there and you're taking chemo. You're fighting, you're a survivor, you're surviving. At that point, you're already surviving. So that really inspired me. It didn't right. really mean that at that point that I was a loser or I was a th- whatever. I was a survivor, mm-hmm. even though I was not termed a survivor by others. But cancer gave me that hope to say that you know what, you are a survivor. Every yeah. every step you take, you are a survivor. And basically, from there on, I decided that um, because they made such a big change in my life and had such a big influence on my life. I will volunteer for them when I am healthy. So that was my positive, and that was my something that I got to look forward to, hmm. and to help people that are obviously not as fortunate as what I was. Mm.
1: Just the sense of of obviously yes. wanting then, wanting yeah, to get there, and back.
2: then the sense of, of being blessed. Then you know your time's limited. You know everybody walks around thinking they're going to love forever. So did I. Mm. And this actually taught me that. You know, life is short. Love more, love mm. more, give mm. more, and that's where that comes
1: from. Yeah, but as you say, you you look at your children, right? Moment. Yeah,
2: yes, mm. yes. I mean, a daughter of two years old at that time, uh, my son was just seven. He needed mommy. Sure, but look, I'm I'm there, and I've done it, and yeah, and I think from the two, the breast cancer and the leukemia, I think the leukemia was actually the biggest shock.
1: Why was um, it?
2: I was diagnosed in, uh, in the morning,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, saying that I needed two pints of blood. I rushed to the hospital for the two pints of blood just to hear that I have leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into, I, I had the blood, I went into theater and I started um, chemotherapy on the very same day. I thought I was coming into the hospital for blood, sure. but I was actually coming to stay for a period of seven months. Gee whiz. Was-
1: Oh, that, that must oh. have been an incredible shock, yeah. Reisa. Uh, can I ask you how long after you were in remission um, from the breast cancer were you diagnosed with the leukemia?
2: It was it was exactly um, four years. 2010, four years. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed in September as well. Mm-hmm. So it was 2011, 12, 13, 14. So it was four years. So I was I was feeling easy. I was more worried about the breast cancer, I'm looking if I've got lungs. You know, yeah. but not expecting or realizing that I'm going to get a, a secondary cancer. Yeah. Or, uh, oh, so, not sorry, not a secondary cancer, that I'm going to get a new primary. Mm-hmm. So, this I asked the doctor, I said, is yes, the cancer but size Because that's what you expect. And she said, no, it isn't the test size it's a whole new,
1: a whole cancer. new cancer,
2: sure, yeah. and no, that comes with it a whole new set medicine. of
1: challenges. Yeah,
2: yes, yeah. It did, Obviously, mm. but the hospital that I was at with and where I am right now, as well, um, were very accommodating to my every need, and um, they, they they have such compassion and they know exactly what we as cancer patients need, mm. you know, and um, and they played a big role in mm. my healing process. But most of all, from everyone, it was my mum because she's just a woman made of steel. Really? She was at my bedside for the seven months, every day. Cancer was here on a regular basis. Sister Ross from Cancer and Anita from Cancer, that I started volunteering with in 2011. They were with me, and it was actually, although I was in isolation and it was quite difficult, I mean, having all the support is, is what we all need, and if we're listening out there, support is a phone call. Yeah. That is support. Sup- support is a pat on the shoulder. You know? Support is, um, let me take your kids to the movies. Yeah. Because mommy's sick and she cannot. Mm. You know? Let me help your, your son with you, or take him to cricket, practice, for example. Mm. That's support. Yeah. That is support. Yeah. It and is. that's what we all need to. Remembering each other's life.
1: Absolutely, Reesa. Yeah. We're going to we're going to take a break. Um, okay, please stay with us, and we'll okay. we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thanks, Risa. Okay, thank you so much.
0: This is Lifelinks with a DL Link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show.
1: Welcome back to the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Uh, 14 minutes past 12 o'clock on 101.9 High FM. Just before the break, uh, Reesa talking about the value of support, um, how through her stages of chemotherapy, um, how she was so depressed and it was when these two ladies from cancer arrived and she had this incredible support and the realization that she wasn't alone, that everything turned for her. And, And that really is what the DL Link is all about. That's what the DL Link does. Um tirelessly, every single day with over seven hundred families within the community just showing cancer patients and family that they are not alone, that they are completely supported. It is the telephone call. It is the pat on the back. It is the meal waiting um, for the family if you've had to go in for therapy. It's knowing that your kids have been collected from school, that you can have a spa day and when you're feeling low, someone can give your feet a good massage. It's just all those wonderful, beautiful things that support you um, whilst you are on your journey. So, Reesa, thank you so much for holding for us. I'm delighted because our next guest is in the studio and he's here because of you Um, and I'm going to introduce him in just a moment but you, I I, want to just talk about the fact that through everything and and giving your time to cancer and working really so hard and and always being incredibly motivated you just wanted to help and help and help, raise funds, come up with fundraising ideas all the time and, and just wanting to extend yourself and then you came up with an idea to raise a huge amount of money, maybe you can just share that with us.
2: Um, Okay so in the beginning of this year I was approached by Anita. I had been at that point um, volunteering for cancer for about seven years and she said look Risa you've had um, almost three years now since your last diagnosis and you've been at home and you've not been out of the house. Maybe Taking this, this job will give you a better opportunity mm-hmm. to come out again, to live again, to just, you know, um, have a life. And um, I thought about it. Anita actually phoned my parents, my mum, and she called my husband. <laughs> and, yeah, and I was taken out of my comfort zone. So um, I started working at cancer now actually as a community mobilizer. Um, yeah, I have exceeded targets. In the first month, it was the National Techie Tax Tech Day. Um, my budget was about 25000 and I brought in close to
1: 75000 Wow. Money. Wow.
2: And, um, the whole thing about, about raising funds for me is that it's a package. So the package is first of all education. You know, mm-hmm. we, I went out to school. I did education drives. I spoke to kids about the use of sunblock, reducing the risk, having a uh, healthy lifestyle, not smoking, you know, things like that. Mm. hookah is dangerous. Right. So I went out and I actually did that. And by doing that and interacting with these kids, they were quite quite excited about giving back to this organization and giving back to cancer because of what cancer does. And um, doing all of this, we really, have fun the next month and everyone's like you're supposed to get 25,000 why don't you just get 25,000 why are you getting so much more Mm. and I said look when I do something I do it to the best of my ability and that's just how I I am and basically then um, my next big project I was in hospital for two weeks with pneumonia and that was in July in yeah July I was in hospital for two weeks uh, with pneumonia, and while in hospital, I actually contacted Dr. Mia um, with the idea of doing a jail in bail. So he wanted to know, look, what is it about? So I said, look, what is it? That was the first thing
1: he said to you "Was I haven't done anything illegal?"
2: Yes, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, But when I explained to him what it was all about, he was actually quite excited about it, and he was a game, you know, Mm -hmm. and the reason why I contacted him in particular, you know, there's so many people that we could have contacted, but I decided to contact him as a family, the Mia family, are a family that's very philanthropic, they're always giving back, they do so much of charity work and, you know, they give so much of their time um, in order to make a difference in others' lives. And especially Dr. Rigwarnia. Mm-hmm. So, and I was actually I, I I never doubted for a second that he would say he cannot do it. I knew that he would say yes. So he was very happy, and he said, "And he did, and, uh, yeah." And he said yes. My PA, in world. And take it from there. Well, I I want to
1: bring him into the conversation actually now. Um, Ridwan, welcome, Dr. Ridwan Mia. It's lovely to have you on the show.
3: Thank you so much, and thank you for coming
1: in. I know you're very busy, (laughs) and you know we're just hearing about this. uh, What's it called? A a jail and bail fundraiser, which (laughs) um, was a was a huge thing really for you because
2: you went to jail for the day
3: (laughs) voluntarily. (laughs) I did um, for a uh, good
2: cause, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, and he had a, he had a blonde um, police officer. Oh, He had I a, okay, think, he, I yeah. think that's
2: what what was
1: the ultimate <laughs> the year blonde for police you. officer, <laughs>
3: aka Issa in a blonde wig. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so 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 let's talk about because I want I want to get into this incredible event, but I want. The listeners to get an idea of who you are. And I'm sure that there are many when we talk about, um, you, they, they know exactly who you are, especially when we go back in time when there was that terrible incident and it was with Pippi Kruger and, mm-hmm. and she was burnt. Um, there was that awful, awful situation. And it was a, a, a come and go. No one knew if, if she was going to survive it. What, what kind of degree burns did she have?
3: Um, So she had full thickness burns. um, In the old nomenclature, we'd call it third-degree burns. um, But it covered 80% of her body. Um, So we were presented with quite a challenge, um, you know, having a a two-and-a-half-year-old little girl so devastatingly burnt. Um, her physiology had started to switch off and, uh, you know, it was a huge challenge to get her, you know, stable physiologically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then to cover her wounds. Um, you know, so much of her body had been burnt. We didn't have very much donor area. So, you know, we couldn't really harvest uh, skin grafts in in the traditional sense. So, uh, you know, we had to come up with something uh, quite innovative. After all those months of, of having her in hospital, and you know, my team had worked very hard. Uh, we, you know, we, none of us had seen weekends for those months. So, sure. or, and we had lots of late nights uh, trying to stabilize her, trying to get her wounds nice and clean and rid of dead uh, or burnt tissue, so that you know she could survive. Uh, it was quite a grueling um, experience. And we,
1: we followed it all All of us mm-hmm. followed it very, very closely And I just want to ask you As, as a reconstructive surgeon Because that's what you are At what point are you called in When you have this kind of these kind of burns? When when mm-hmm. do doctors call you in?
3: Usually within the first uh, few hours Really? Um, of admission uh, okay. you know, They would get a sense The casualty doctors The pediatricians in this case uh, and, and perhaps the general surgeons Would get an idea of the extent of burns And then call in a plastic, uh, a plastic and reconstructive surgeon and, and say well look this is what we have and, and how do you suggest we go forward at which point the plastic surgeon would probably take over management and and, and then lead the team on from there
1: But this was a long process I mean you, you probably still dip in and dip out of this I mean mm-hmm. you, you, you won an award I mean the National Order of the Boabab and that was in April 2013 by the President of South Africa because you made world headlines for this groundbreaking procedure that you did um, on Pippi and that's where Skin was cloned to cover her extensive burn wounds because you said that you couldn't do those skin grafts. Mm-hmm. How on earth did you do that?
3: So it was the use of uh, what we call tissue engineering Um, using stem cells um, from the child. So Mm -hmm. we harvested some stem cells from her. Uh, We then took it across to a lab in Boston, uh, in the United States, on the campus of the MIT uh, where uh, a company called Genzyme had been set up by the uh, sort of a a Professor Green um, and a Professor Reinwald. So they had come up with this concept um, quite a few years before that. That you could clone uh, skin? That you could clone, uh, well, any part of the body really, but uh, cartilage uh, was one of the types of tissue that they had done uh, had a lot of success with right. and here we were able to clone her skin cells so create sheets of skin cells wow. and then we had to uh, somehow protect and at the same time fly that skin back to South Africa and get it onto the little one you know within a we had a 24 hour window so it also presented a bit of a challenge to us but we managed to get her there and um,
1: 24 hours mm-hmm. from when it arrived in South Africa? Or?
3: No, from the time it left the lab in Boston.
1: Because you've got to keep it clean, you've got to keep it alive, you've got to do all of those mm-hmm. things. So it's that in it a deal. special
3: medium. Sure. Uh, it's got to be temperature controlled and it can't be exposed to anything potentially infectious. So it's, it needs to be sort of kept in that medium, um, which can nourish it for those 24 hours. But beyond that, it's it's incapable of you know continuing to keep it alive and, 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 and going.
1: So. And this had never been done with skin before?
3: No, it it hadn't been done uh, at this distance in right. the states. They, you know, the, everything would have been pretty close by, so they were able to ship it out to local hospitals and that sort of thing. Um, they had done six cases prior to mm-hmm. this uh, in the states itself, mm-hmm. so it was the first time they'd gone outside the continental you know, okay. United hence States. Okay, hence the twenty-four area.
1: hour window that you mm-hmm. had. I see, I see, and so. To to do something like that, as you say, on such a young child and not knowing, you, you you must have been very anxious over that period of time, not knowing what was going to happen, and of course dealing with parents and dealing with the family and the emotion. So you know what you're doing, but you've got the emotion. Just take us through that. Is it? Is, so you're talking about these sheets of skin? Are you talking about putting small amounts and hoping that that skin's then going to grow? How does that work?
3: So, um, you know, ironically, we had a couple of months to prepare for it because the child was uh, terribly unstable in hospital. So we had to get her well physiologically, but also her wounds had to be cleaned and, um, you know, all the burn tissue taken off. But at the same time, preventing any infections Mm -hmm. from settling on the skin. And in that time, it gave us time to prepare uh, on many levels. Technically, uh, you know, we did lots of rehearsals with the hospital staff pretending we were going to the theater. Using a little doll as a as a as a a model for the child, um, we we got the parents uh, buy in. We had to uh, really have their support on this. Uh, it was a big psychological, uh, you know, logistical uh, issue with them uh, getting their buy-in, but also getting them to understand the intricacies of the procedure, uh, the timing, uh, you know, how it would work, what to expect afterwards. Um, and also, um, you know, they raised funds independently for this procedure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, us as doctors, we had, you know, we had waived many other costs, but they um, they, they needed to pay for the actual cloning of the skin. And, um, you know, it was South Africans of all walks of life that had literally come to the party uh, where they'd be a domestic worker that wandered into the hospital and, 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 and Just took out something. money from her pocket hmm. to, uh, you know, schools having cake f- sales, that sort of thing, um, you know, donating towards this cause online on Facebook and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, they really managed in that way. So we had time to plan, um, you know, on all those various levels. Hmm. Uh, so and then obviously we had lots of telephone contracts. Conferencing sessions with the um, the guys in the United States, and then the coordinating company, which was based in Europe. Uh, so you know, we had we had we had all these teleconferencing sessions with them. This is huge. Uh, huge it huge. was a big deal uh, right. at the time. I don't think any of us realized just how groundbreaking it was in terms of treating a South African patient or an African patient for that matter. Um, you know, we just all were acting on what we needed to do for the child mm. at the time. So it was more a, a move of desperation than anything else yeah. to to find a solution uh, for this little one
1: Let's take a break the story as I say is fascinating because you know if you just incredible what you're doing and then of course this for, for cancer so stay with us incidentally if you have any questions if you would like to make contact with us during the show please do SMS us, the number you can SMS us on is 34519, quick break we'll be right back
0: If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link consider advertising or sponsoring the show this is lifelinks with a dl link
1: Thanks for staying tuned. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Our cancer warrior today is Raisa Ibrahim. She's uh, chatting to us from her hospital bed and uh, we have the extraordinary Dr. Ridwan Mia, who is an award-winning plastic and reconstructive surgeon. Um, He's sharing his story. We're going back in time where he helped uh, Pippi Kruger. Obviously, it caught everybody's attention in South Africa and around the world because of this groundbreaking treatment um, the skin grafts and the cloning the skin and just we we were talking off air and uh, everyone you were saying that she's now seven years old and she's just been to America um, and, and she's doing well
3: yeah, she's progressing so nicely, uh, doing us proud. She's able to sing a few songs and, uh, you know, re- really being a little bit of a spoiled brat sometimes. Yeah, uh, She
1: should be. Yeah, it's a absolutely. good sign. <laughs> it's, it's so
3: heartwarming. Uh, she uh, came to my rooms a few months ago with her mom. And I opened the door and I called in the next patient, which unfortunately wasn't her. It was another child. And didn't she let out the biggest howl because she was expecting to come in right I away? Really? So, but no, it was, it's just very encouraging to just see great. her progress. Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: fantastic. And do you think back on it or do you, have you just moved on and now you're looking for new ways of helping and just...
3: We think about it quite often. often uh, yeah. In fact, many of the therapists, uh, the other doctors, the anaesthetists, uh, the pediatricians, they always talk about the experience. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a real bonding experience for many of the team, uh, many of the specialist nurses, the ICU staff. You know, they all became a lot closer because of that. And whenever we run into each other, uh, you know, people have moved around in jobs and so on. And you bump bumping. To them, in other hospitals, and so on, and you know it 's such a nice story mm. to keep remembering yeah. and we all remember you the have to keep work, telling you
1: know. the story you yeah. actually you have to do it us, fa-
3: everyone just remembers the the sleep deprivation and the you know the anxiety. Uh, there were a few occasions when we thought We'd lost her or we were losing her We didn't think she was going to survive um, So you know it, it was a very tough time uh, So people remember that very fondly Because mm. now we can look back on it And say well you know what She she really pulled through
1: mm. And I mean of course you, you're a trustee with the Burns Charity, um, Children of Fire mm-hmm. You're a member of the Smile Foundation So you're helping with that reconstructive Surgery as well, when do you actually Have time to do what you do <laughs> Work in your rooms, you seem to be giving and doing it's a huge part of who you are
3: Um, yes I I come from a family uh, we you know my my parents are particularly community orientated Mm -hmm. Um, they live here in Linksfield, yeah and uh, I've always uh, looked for ways to be involved in the community and uh, they've always taught us that uh, you know you're worth nothing if you're not worth something to your community. Right. And uh, they have always taught us this, this mantra. You know they uh, they quote from the Quran. Uh, it's something that says uh, he um, the best of you is he who benefits mankind. Mm, and they said, well, if you don't stick to that, you're not fulfilling your mandate. So you know, my siblings and I have always been taught like. Try and do as much as you can.
1: That's how you were brought up. Mm, And and that's what you continue. So so Ruisa was saying it's because of that that she contacted you, (laughs) um, because of your family, because she knows, because of your history. And so you're now asked to get involved in a jail and bail. So maybe let's just explain to everyone listening what is a jail and bail and why would anyone do it to a (laughs) lovely doctor?
3: (laughs) So, um, you know, the way it was put to me is that I would be imprisoned for the day and uh people with friends and family and you didn't just put the cared. phone
1: down immediately as soon as she said that <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: with hindsight maybe i you should have <laughs> <laughs> um, no uh i think you know uh it sounded quite fun at mm-hmm. the time i must say and I was initially under the impression that it would be a, a whole lot of people. Like I thought, you know, I would just be part of a group of people. And of prisoners, you of mean? Prisoners, one of many. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And, and we would then contact uh, friends and family and anyone we knew to help bail us out. And uh, once we'd raised a certain amount of money, it would be okay. And then, you know, uh, and then they'd, they'd kind of slowly let each one of us out as we raised our targets. Right. And Ken so then would benefit uh, from the fundraising. Uh, and then... Isa then got hold of um Laverne, my PA and they worked very hard to make sure that they, they they kind of gave me the ins and outs of it and how it would work. So then uh, to my horror, I realized I was only I was going to be the sole prisoner. Um, and that Lonely. The, yeah, and that the uh, the target amount was 100,000 rand, and I was uh, completely shocked, and I said, I don't know if people like me that much, and they probably would want to <laughs> pay you to leave me inside, <laughs> not the other way around. Um, so I, I kind of, uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous, but, uh, you know, we took out a set today from our practice, so they literally arrested me in inverted commas at at the hospital. Were you cuffed? Uh, I was cuffed. I was driven over to Pretoria, to mainland Maine, where they had this prison, little prison cell set up. (laughs) And uh, there I was for the public to ogle in my orange uniform. And um, I must say, sitting there, you know, in the heat and what have you, and and people then started donating and um, we we put the pictures online and uh, the good thing is they allowed me to keep my phone with me so I could send as many messages yeah, you are, to people you were a lucky
2: prisoner <laughs> you were
3: fortunate I, yes, I,
2: yes.
3: Yeah, I, 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 believe,
2: I believe
1: you, you, you fed him well yeah, and you <laughs> fed <laughs> him. he was a well fed prisoner as well I believe
2: yeah, a three-course <laughs>
3: meal yeah. 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 I, was, I felt very squirted after that
1: <laughs> uh, sushi too Yeah, so we treated our
2: prisoner really well he was mm. um, quite important to us. Mm. So we looked after him quite nicely.
1: Well, I'm glad. Um, I'm a bit concerned that you cuffed him. I mean, those are very precious hands that you cuffed we, we,
2: You did it carefully. We guns at one they <laughs> It was quite dangerous. <laughs> <So> <laughs> those guards were huge, <laughs>
3: intimidating people. That they, and they weren't playing. And I was there smiling away and trying to play along. And they kept these very straight, serious really? faces. And yeah, I think they really wanted to set the mood, you know.
1: So how long yeah. did it take for you to get yourself out of jail?
3: Uh, I think it was just over six hours in the Six end. hours? Uh,
2: uh, yeah. Oh, shame. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, yeah. I mean, six hours and a hundred thousand rands. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Some that is amazing. Listen, yeah. let me
1: let me just share something with you. I'm no fundraiser, but if you put me in an orange uniform <laughs> and you handcuffed me, I would do everything I possibly could to raise 100,000 Rand okay, in six so hours. you up for the challenge. Yeah, no, 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 no. Maybe I said that wrong. <laughs> wow. So six yeah. hours, you got 100,000 Rand and you did it with a smile you know, on your face.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I Sometimes. didn't really have a choice. There were people doing their shopping and coming to eat at a restaurant and so on. I, I couldn't exactly look like I was suffering. And I think,
2: you know? I think the, the cutest part of the fundraising, and I think um, Dr. Mia will definitely agree with me on this one, we had a group of kids, there were mm-hmm. seven of them. Yeah. And they were with their grandparents. And each one donated one grand. Aww. And that was, I think, that was special. Mm. That was something really special. Mm. Having the, the grandfather there and having them donate that one rand each, you know. And um, when Daphnia was just arrested, another little girl went up to him and she was shocked, you know, and she said, Why are you in jail? Oh. She's about three years old. And uh, he tells her, Oh, I didn't go to school today. That's why I'm in jail. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> And, and it was so wonderful. And he had good company. He had quite good company. Just fantastic. I mean, he brought his mom along to make sure that I
1: don't torture him. Yes, him. I was going to say, his mother was making sure he was well looked after and well fed. That's what a good mother was Yeah, will
2: Yeah, think. he had his mom, sister, and San um, Lota was there for a while as well. And, yeah, it was quite a fun
1: Fantastic. Afternoon. Oh, well done, Raisa. Um, well done. Know
2: that, you know,
1: it's for such a good cause. Absolutely. A, bu- a, a brilliant fundraiser. Fantastic. We were, let me let me ask you this because we spoke about the Smile Foundation. We spoke about um, the fire, fire, Children of Fire. Um, let's talk about cancer and where a reconstructive surgeon would step in in mm-hmm. terms of um, patients who, who have cancer.
3: So most plastic surgeons, especially in a busy area like Johannesburg, would be exposed to cancer patients um Pretty much every day really? uh, in some way or the other. Uh, you know, we treat a lot of skin cancer. Uh, we also treat other cancers in other parts of the body where we do the reconstructive side of things. So we would work in conjunction with uh, orthopedic surgeons, Breast cancer surgeons, neurosurgeons, E.N.T.s, in removing cancers from different parts of the body, and then we would reconstruct those areas. You know, once the actual cancer had been removed, so a big part of plastic surgery is reconstruction Mm. using soft tissue. uh, Mm. So other parts of your own body, and also being able to use prosthetics. uh, You know, so uh, silicone devices do have their uses outside of the cosmetic realm as well. So so we would often use. Um, you know, other devices to help reconstruct those areas and sometimes it's very long surgery uh, it's very time consuming, very technically difficult uh, surgery uh, but plastic surgeons spend a lot of time under the microscope uh, for example stitching very tiny blood vessels nerves, that sort of thing sure. to enable these people to have a uh, well fully functional uh, life and at the same time to be uh, aesthetically or cosmetically pleasing to people around them because certainly that makes a big part of who we are mm-hmm. and our feeling yes. of individuality right. and, uh,
2: and independence. Yeah, and, and I can testify to that. Yes. Because at the end of the day, you do want to look pretty. You're 27 years old, you know, you want to look beautiful. You're young, you're married, you have kids, you, you have a husband, you know, you have sexuality in your life. Of course. And um, all of these, and this plays such an important role. Mm. And to the extent when medical aids pay for these surgery, because they know that mentally, we need it. Mm. We need that. And Mm. it plays a very big role in our life. You know, just to be a half normal again, or your new normal. We normally call it the new normal. The new normal. Mm. Yeah, the new normal, which is quite lovely, actually.
1: It is lovely. (laughs) So you you had the reconstructive surgery, Raisa?
2: I had a reconstructive surgery, followed by radiation. And then uh, my the, the silicone got encapsulated because of the radiation. Ah. So there was a fifty fifty chance that that would happen. And then I was finding it difficult to have my kids because it was quite painful. Mm. And after about eleven months I just went uh, it was not Dr. Mia that did the surgery, it was somebody else. And I said, Please remove this. I can't I can't have my kids back on and um, Doctor Mia has actually offered me um quite a nice surgery. And what is that? He says he can do some lipo, which I wouldn't mind, and then use that and then build up a breast. So I might just take him up and that. Also.
1: Oh wow, that's, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's a, a, a double, a double whammy you would say. You, you know. Hey, not you bad. Know?
2: He can just lipo a bit more out of as well. <laughs>
1: How does that work, run I mean, how, how would you use, how do you construct a breast
3: with that tissue? So um, it's what we call fat transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would liposuction fat out of another part of the body where perhaps you wouldn't uh, need it as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody's short sure of that, I guess. Uh, and then we would process the fat. We would uh, you know, pass it through a centrifuge and uh wash it through mm-hmm. and then we would in- in, at
1: the same time at the, the, same, th- time, th- at the yes. same time wow and then okay.
3: you would inject that fat into the various cavities where you need it so uh, we also use it for reconstructive purposes in other parts of the body uh, but certainly in, a, in, in, a, in the case of a breast uh, reconstruction you could inject that fat into the, the cavity in the breast and build up volume and contour uh, as you need it
1: that is amazing how does it differ from silicon in terms of shape and the feeling?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, the feeling is obviously a lot more natural. Uh-huh. Uh, not that silicone is unnatural. Nowadays, the, the new silicone implants, they, they feel pretty natural. Most mm. women actually down the line forget that they actually have implants in there. Um, so the feeling is a bit more natural. And, um, you know, I would say it's, it's somewhat less predictable, whereas, whereas with an implant, you kind of know what you're going to get really okay. early on, whereas with fat, you, you're you injecting it, and then you're kind of waiting and seeing what the new volume will give you. Um, so far, good results that we, you know, we have, all of us who, who are practicing this, this sort of fat transfer. Um, so I, I think in the end, they're going to match each other quite nicely, the two techniques.
1: I think it sounds great. What you said sounds fantastic. I'm going I'm to ask a very ignorant question. Question: um, Fat tissue. Mm-hmm. If you put on weight, will your breasts then get larger because they have fatty, fatty um, tissue? As
3: with anywhere else in the body. Okay.
1: Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. raisa thank you so much for joining us. um You know, from your hospital bed and with a smile on your face and mm-hmm. the fundraising and getting um, Dr. Mia into the studio, we really do appreciate it. You are yeah. indeed an incredible I warrior. I'd
2: like to say to Dr. Mia once again, you know. What she's done for cancer um that money is going towards support, it's going towards education, it's going towards research and um that is invaluable at this point in time, especially with the with the cancer um, uh, um, amounts going up i mean, I'm in hospital, I've got two lovely ladies next to me <laughs> um and they i mean every time you just bump into these people and you realize you know. What an amazing role cancer actually plays. So I've had to resign from work due to my own health, but I'm still staying on as a community, as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to ask, or challenge Dr. Mia, sorry, at the same time. Again. That, um, next year this time,
1: oh.
2: I think, um 500
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's keeping his mouth firmly closed, yeah. Raisa. He's <laughs> not...
2: He knows, he knows. He knows. He knows what when I say something, I'll make it
1: happen. Oh, he knows that. I think mm. he's gotten to know me well. Mm. Reesa, thank you so much. Such a I, such a pleasure yes, having Lisa. you on the show.
2: Thank you. So Take much. care
1: and and good health. Good health to you. All the best
3: thank to you, you Reesa. Really so
1: Thank and you, I'm Raisa. Bye bye. Raisa Ibrahim, and she does. She is certainly a fireball, and she will have you doing it, raising 500,000 rand. <laughs> and I think sure. you know that. That's why you've got like a half smile on your face. Mm-hmm. Um, Redron, thank you very much for joining us. It's, a it's really been a wonderful be having you in the studio. You do incredible work, and you're so inspiring. So, you so inspiring. No, thank, thank you very much. Thank to you. you.
3: We're
1: going to take a break. We'll be right back because we have more inspiration coming your, na- your way. Roslyn Bass will be in the studio
0: LifeLinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative this is LifeLinks with a DL Link
1: the D.L. Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination and illuminating individuals always passing through during this hour and it is always a privilege to be touched by them and I hope that you feel the same way and I hope that you walk away inspired. People who face challenges and rise to that challenge and continue to do incredible things, what a privilege it is to be in constant touch with them. And we have another one of them and she's no stranger to you because she's on the on High FM, and she gives you um entertainment and all sorts of wonderful things. And, of course, I'm talking about Roz Basarabi. Roz, welcome, welcome. So, for you, you're that side now. It's and the I'm most this, amazing thing. Like? How does it
4: look from this Do you side? you know what? It is actually, I was on radio last week, also in another studio, and I was being interviewed. Oh. And it was so interesting watching how I was on a medical program with Dr. D. And I, it was just such a funny feeling, you know, being on the other end and knowing that I'm going to answer questions. As opposed to, to ask, ask the questions, yes.
1: to ask. So I asked you off air because yes. this is the DL Link show, and we're going to be talking about this incredible book that you've written. Yes. But your association with the DL Link, you go back a long way with yes. Michelle. Totally, yes.
4: Michelle and I were at college JC. after Vitz. I went to H- JCE, and we were on the same floor. Mm-hmm. We were both at rest and I often, I often go around regaling people with the fun, the funniest thing that happened. She was sharing with a girl by the name of Pearl Schwartz. Yeah. And one day we came back into Rares and she and Pearl, this is typical Michelle, had painted their room, the institutionalized room in yellow and orange. <laughs> complete light, complete light in, unto the nations. And it was just wonderful. And we just had, we've had a It connection. said everything about her. Everything about no. her. And, and she's out of the box. I'm out of the box. We both are very similar kindred souls on that level. And so, therefore, we've got this friendship that is grounded in that no lack of fear of being different to anyone else, Mm. but also with a need to make a difference to this world. And in fact, your previous guest, who's just such a wonderful, humble man, isn't he a wonderful man? But I found that what he said, interestingly from the Quran, is, of course, no different to Torah. And one of the things, the aspects of my book is that I always say at the end of a talk, Are you adding value to yourself and to others? That is the question you ask at the end of every day. Mm. And that's the most important. Now, you know you can answer yes, Mm. because whatever you're doing here today is already touching and rippling in all ways. Michelle is rippling and rippling and rippling. I mean, there's no end to it. Mm. So for me, that is the prime question. And particularly before Rosh Hashanah, that's why this book is such a good one, because it's going to i have given ideas on how to enhance life in other words I don't want to change your life I can't only you can Mm. I don't want to be one of those hugger Pollyannas that say go and do all these wonderful things have a wonderful attitude da 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 and you go home feeling worse than before because why how do you do all that so what I've done is I've actually taken all the principles that I feel will enhance, in other words, just give that sparkle to life and given ideas how to do so. So you can select from each one whether or not you can use it. I mean, I had put down One of the things, and it's actually quite funny, one of my very good friends came up to me the one day and she said to me, Roz, I love what you've written, but there's one thing I have to ask you. Do you dance with your husband? So I said, why do you ask that? She said, there's a section in your book where you've written that one of the things you can do to enhance the marital relationship is not only in going out, but if you do actually stay home, why don't you put on music? And if anything, and I made it as a suggestion, Mm. get up, it's the two of you together, and dance Have to a the music. Dance. Well, first I love of all, that. I totally love music. Oh. I cannot sit still in music in mm. any form. Mm. So for me, and if I did that, I mean, I haven't done it for a while, but it's something that I would do. He looks at me as if I've gone nuts, but it's such a wonderful feeling. So there's many things that I suggest. That change. what was your answer? Yes or no? Well, yes and no. Because okay. If it's immediate, <laughs> immediate, no, I haven't for a while because I think he is listening and he'll come and say, "Why mm. did you say we dance together?" That okay. we do. It's a definite suggestion that I know, and believe me, it's coming as well, because there was a show we loved as we left on our date on a Saturday night, wherever yes. we were going, yes. and it was all music that was just so close to our soul. We both loved it, and we used to switch it on. I have to tell you, we weren't in a place to dance, but had we been, I guarantee you, in oh. some of them, I would have started. Oh, I like that. And it's such an important thing, and also, again, for marriage, You know what, if you're going to go out, dress beautifully, dress beautifully, not every time. I mean, it's casual, but make a date a date even when you've been married as long as we have, which is 42 years. Sure. So, you know, there is no end to what you can do. I've got ideas on every level. And, you know, Nikki, I think that the best part of it is that when somebody said to me, in fact, she was the editor, Roz, you are your book. You live it. Mm. You walk it and Mm. you talk it. Mm. It's not just an idea. You are that. And it is exactly why I wanted to share it. Mm. Because I feel that I've been given this unbelievable gift by God. Truly a gift. As a violinist, is a prodigy and has the gift to do. The mm. gift of seeing and experiencing your world in a particular way. Totally. My Mm. perception of life, Mm. my ability to connect with God. Mm. That takes hard work, but I have such a deep relationship. Have you
1: always had...
4: As a little girl, I remember saying this to Dori last weel, week, I remember as a little girl, I actually had an imaginary friend, and whenever things were tough and tight and hard, I would talk to my friend quietly, and my friend had a name, and it was God. And I've grown up that way, and it's actually just developed, and I have sourced it through my Jewishness. I've found that it's so evident there, and I see it on an everyday basis, and, and, and it just... It, Especially now, Elor, I feel that God is close. I know something happened just Mm. recently, just Mm. for you to know this. I was concerned about paying off something that I needed to pay off because it was quite a heavy amount. And I wondered how I was going to do that because I've recently retired from the business world that I was in. Right. And I thought how, and something fell in my lap from a motivational perspective to speak to a corporate body. And I thought, well, you know, you'd better just quote what is what you think, because it's going to be a lot of work. And I did, and there was no bulking at it. And I actually had this come in. Now, don't tell me that that was not a miracle, and I will not believe it was not engineered by God. No one can tell me in any which way, because when it suddenly came out of the blue, and when I got there, one of the ladies came up to me. She remembered me and she said, do you know, Ross, that you actually were chosen because I suggested we must have you because you're very pro-woman and full of color. So I said, so who were you choosing against? And she made certain names. And then she said, Tully Maroncella. And I said, what? You chose me instead of her? My God, that is unbelievable. And as I said that, I knew Thank you, God.
1: Mm. Thank you, God. So let me ask you this. When in times of challenge, the tough times, have you ever lost your faith? Have you ever questioned or do you not question?
4: No, there have been times. There's a section in my book whereby it's a whole tribute to God, but it started off with me wanting to completely deny God, and I had a major argument and a major fight with the same God because of the terrible, terrible things that were happening, as we see today, Mm -hmm. with all the hurricanes and the fires and Mm -hmm. everything, and I thought, no, uh, uh, uh." the only way I'm going to accept this is if God is representative of good, there's a Satan who's bad, and poor God is losing the battle, but then I've been taught in my religion that God is omnipotent infinite. How can he then have this side place? And he's now being beaten by the other one who's triumphant. I thought, uh-uh. And I walked and I was where I loved to be most in nature, the sea on the one side and the mountain on the other and walking through because I was in Musenberg And I thought, you know, I'm never going to get an answer. I know I won't. I'm going to throw it at every rabbi, every priest, every philosopher, you know, but I will never get the answer that I want. So you know what? And suddenly there was a feeling inside me and I thought, You know what? Do I really care? I can't answer these questions. I don't know why. I do know that for me, there's a world to come. And therefore, that makes it purposeful for me to be here now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to love this God with all my heart and my soul. It was like an epiphany. Never mind. So now, everything that's going on now, I do question, but I still love this God. Mm. I suppose it's easier when it's not affecting you directly and Mm. you can sit and you're only observing but, Nikki, you have to know this. Six months after that decision, that epiphany, my house burnt down in front of me.
1: Mm.
4: On the 17th of July, 2010, and 2006, not
1: 2010, mm-hmm. 2006. Mm-hmm. And I remember... It burnt down. It, oh, right. Oh, smash, crash. And, you
4: know, it was oh, nothing goodness. like that. I felt liberated at the end. No one was hurt. I watched it, and again... Going back to the same thing, it's Elul, it's here, God is in the fields, and I'm doing it again, I'm taking his hand. I took his hand in the middle of the street, with millions behind me, standing and watching, and I remember saying these words, and it's in my book, Please God, will you leave me those things that resonate with my soul? I didn't even know what they were, but I knew God would. And when I got back, my house had all many grates for him, That I'd had some wonderful holy books Some mementos All my photographs
1: They're still there? All there Wow
4: And I mean that's another story how that happened Because that again I believe is a miracle A miracle miracle. Totally (laughs) But all my clothes and all my other possessions
1: Goodbye
4: And I felt totally liberated
1: Mm. Gee whiz Ros, Amazing So this book From my heart to yours Enhance your life with grace You've said that They're just little pointers here and there. You're not saying I know everything. You're just saying these are the little pointers and it's, it's a, it's a thin book and it's a soft covered book. And I'm looking at, and I'm just looking at how pleasing it is on my eye to read. That's exactly, Nikki, you have just
4: absolutely got the gist of it. Why? To take, it took me a very long time to write, but there's a reason I wanted it to come out like that. I know that it's laborious and cumbersome to see a book. That is thick and particularly a Mm, self-help book that's not mm. going to have a mystery who done it. And sitting, you could take it, you like the title, but you'll leave it next to your bed and you probably will hardly traverse through it. This is a book you can access, you can re-access all the time. It's colorful, it looks at you, and it really is like a recipe. Here? Now, the, go and do this. Go and do this, and the ingredients will help you make this. So after often Love say, that. It, make your choice. And if you don't like it, it's fine. You're not me. Love I'm it. not you. But definitely. And, you know, just because it's a DLN program, I do want to say, first of all, to Michelle, I wish her a long life mm-hmm. on the fact that it was Devorah Leah's yacht yesterday. And I know how beautiful a soul that girl was. And I think of her all the time and her beautiful little children who were left so young mm-hmm. without a mother. It, it, it's, it's devastating to think of what that must have been like. But also the function that she had last week. I don't know if you were there Nikki but what a function. It was amazing. I promise you I felt such an honour such a sense of privilege to be there and you know it's times like that when I've written in my book Rebel I revel. I don't. I've said, you've got to learn to revel. And I was there and I was standing and watching everybody and all these wonderful people. And I looked at them and they were coming to give of themselves. They were coming to help those that are not as fortunate because they're dealing with, as you say, they're warriors. Mm. They're dealing with challenges. And I thought, look at you, the company you're with. And again, Hashem, thank you for Mm. letting me be Mm. associated with Mm. us. I do not for a second take that for granted. Mm. And that is... Is the essence of who I am. And you you look it, you sound it, you feel it, you <laughs> are it. Totally. Unbelievable,
1: Ross. Totally. Thank you so
4: much. How do people get this book? You can buy it directly from me. I'm a distributor. Okay. I am doing on Tuesday next week a launch at Ort Jet in Houghton Yes. And the details will be sent to people who are my close associates. On otherwise, they can look out for it. I am also doing a launch at Sant and between Rosh Hashanah uh, during the Sukkot period. Period. But if you want to get me directly, it's 180 Rand and you can come past my home, which is thirty-three Elray Street, Fairmount, round the corner from High of It's a oh, right. piece of cake. And you just humbly and you know, honestly, Nikki, it's no longer a case of oh vanity and oh you've written a book and oh you know you've got to go and sell it and the whole thing is that people I want Once. to share. Right, let them get into it. Let them revel. Let mm. them look at the spring blossoms and enjoy.
1: Joy, it. Mm. and so
4: I'm quite sure we've run out of time.
1: Oh, Roz, and I wish I had more time with you. But there's one you're thing delicious. I want to say. Now, yes. oh, you are you're delicious.
4: Thank you. But there's something I have to say to you, and I'm not going without that, yes, so even if we over Quickly, you know, before I came onto radio, let me just tell you, I used to hear you on high in a totally different program in yes. the morning. And I loved your voice. Aww. And I loved the ethos that came out of your voice. And I said to myself, one day I'm going to meet this lady. Oh, wow. No, seriously. Really? I'm not joking. Yeah. One bit. I thought she comes across with such a beauty and such a, a beautiful soul, but it's actually exposed through her voice. Now, I don't have to say that. I don't have to flatter you in, to the ears of the listener. But I'm now with you. Aww. And I have to share that with you because it did definitely strike me. And do you believe that Aww. this was made by accident? There's no such thing as coincidence, Nikki. It's
1: called God'sidence. God'sidence. Roz, my heart, my soul. It, it overfloweth. Thank you, Roz. So beautiful having you on the show. Oh, Roz Basarabi, From My Heart to Yours, Enhance Your Life with Grace, a beautiful book. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Until next week, you take care. Goodbye.